Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne. We can find mercy here, grace to help us in our time of need, and we're thankful that we need you, and we know we need you. Uh, thank you, Lord, that you revealed yourself as our God, our Lord, our Father, our Helper, our Creator. You're everything to us, Lord, all in one God. So we honor you. We thank you for this relationship that we have with you. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. So I'm going to talk about Abraham's faith for our inheritance. Uh, it's a little bit on the same line. Well, I guess a lot on the same line we spoke about last time, how Abraham's faith progressed from being wavering to unwavering to fully persuaded that God could do what he said he was going to do. And when you think about it, um, doubt is so prevalent in our thinking. Amen. It Doubt comes from a lot of places. It comes uh, from our teaching, our thinking, our upbringing, what we've been exposed to, what we're currently being exposed to. So doubt has the power to set in at any time, even though, say, you might have um, faith for certain things or you've developed your faith to a certain level. That can be all wiped out from your exposure to thoughts that don't agree with the word of God. Amen. Have people sometimes that, that stay away from the church for 10 years. You think their faith is in the same place it was when they left? Many of them think it is. They think it doesn't hurt them to stay away from assembling. It's not like God left their heart and, and they're rejected or, but there's, you can't tell me that assembling yourself, obeying that scripture and subjecting yourself to the word of God on a regular basis does not build you up. And put you in a better position faith-wise than removing yourself from or going sporadically somewhere. They go to a church here and there. And a lot of people are glad they're not committed anywhere. Huh? They look at us like we're the crazy people. Well, think about it. You run into them. You still go to that. You still over. Uh Uh-huh. See, the scorners, amen, (laughs) the Bible says you cast scorners out, you get rid of most of your trouble. Scornful people who want to judge and put down what you do and take that away from you. So, So the word is being robbed from us. On just on a consistent basis, just you can sit there and listen to some dumb stuff, a, a dumb video or even a, a program that you like. You know, the devil disarms you by uh, making things funny. You know, I worked in sales and they would always talk about techniques, sale text techniques for um, making the sale. And they said, you know, when you meet somebody, you want to sell them something, they already have built-in defenses against what you present to them. They're armed with their own defenses. You know, like, first thing they'll say, I don't like it, it's the wrong color, it costs too much, you know. So they give you what they call disarming techniques. And humor is kind of high on the list. Look at sometimes you watch these little, now I like these police shows, you know, I mean, I've already confessed, that's my illegal activity, but you watch sometimes how they get confessions out of people. They disarm them, take all their defenses away, 
And they watch people to see it. First they sit there with their arms folded and they're not going to tell nobody nothing. And then they offer them something. Well, they got their arms unfolded. So they've taken line number one defense away from them. Amen. And that's what the enemy does to rob the word from us. He just disarms us a little bit at a time. For he comes at us this way first and then that way next and that way. Pretty soon we're kind of relaxed and listening to what he tells us. Because he wants to take the word from us. He wants to steal the word from us. He wants to steal our faith from us. And so he has many, many different techniques of taking it away. Amen. When people don't come to church, the first thing he'll tell them, he says, oh, everybody skips sometime. Get you comfortable for not being where you're supposed to be. Amen. And then it grows from there. And people always say the longer you stay away from church, what? The harder it is to go back. Amen. And this is how it happens. So they're not in the same spiritual place you're in. Amen. If they're absent, they're not in the same spiritual place that you're in. Anybody who's consistent's in a stronger place than somebody who isn't. Amen. And so it's part of this part of the consistency that the enemy is stealing from people now. You know, people have transferred, even ministers have transferred an online and disconnecting personally from their flock where they could at least pray about getting back in there again or get small groups in, you know, several small groups at a time and and get people comfortable with connecting with each other again. You know, I, I'm one of the reasons that people, you know, I know it's, it's a little odd. We don't generally do this, but when we first continued to have uh, this meeting here, the Lord told me, he said, I want you to prepare a meal every Sunday. And so it, it's not hard for me to do that. You understand it? I'm not going to sit here and tell you and say, Oh, I just didn't know I had to pray about that. No, I did it. See, for a long time ago, I told God I'd do anything he tells me to do. All I have to know is he's telling me to do it. Amen. Bible says your first ministry is hospitality, if you're any kind of a minister. Amen. And so he said, I want barriers broken down between people. And I remember the Sunday it broke. I could feel it in the atmosphere. Now, some of you may may pay attention to that. I have to pay attention to everything. For everybody. And I remember when that fear of one another broke. Huh? That's what keeps people at home. Is fear of associating with people. I was listening. I, I, you know, my little doctor who looks at my weight loss and says, oh yeah, a few pounds. Yes, that's nice. You know, they treat me like I'm some alien. I'm trying to, I said, you know what, God? I said, I'm not here for her approval anyway. <laughs> you know, they put you under their little control. Oh yeah, that's very nice. You'll need more. So, hey, I know that. You're supposed to rejoice with those who rejoice. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> anyway, she was telling me that the, the six foot social distancing She said they've done research on it. She said there was no pre-research about it. She said somebody at the CDC, their daughter that start was an intern suggested that they, they use that. 
So six feet is not researched. But she said when they started doing research on it because they'd instituted it already, she said what they did find out was that at six feet distance from another person, your the the um hormones that trigger uh compassion, love, intimacy stop being felt by the person at six feet. So if you get people six feet away from each other, they quit feeling for each other and caring about each other. Just a thought. That they have researched and found out. You got me? So what's this all about? Amen. Pray about it and see what God begins to show you. But there is a a move to distance people, keep Christian fellowship out of the hands of believers. All of that's going on now. Amen. And we have to fight against it. You have to fight it. You have to fight to stay in the fight. And so don't ask me why I'm still fixing food on Sunday. Because that thing broke like eight months ago. You understand what I'm saying? So uh we just keep doing what we're doing. You understand what I'm saying? Because God hasn't told me to stop. I've tried to stop and I'm obsessed. <laughs> Deranged. No, I'm not. I mean, I think that everybody has, and everybody goes along with it. It seems normal to everybody. So we just continue to do what we do. Amen. If, if we do this until Jesus comes, this is what we do. Amen. And so, so anyway, um, we want to, to, to focus then on the fact that God has called us to unity. He's called us to continue in a common faith that he has given us that gives us all level a level playing field in this uh, race for for contending for the faith that that God has given us so in Jude uh verse 3 uh it says here beloved when i gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation that word common salvation is interesting. That word means something that's readily available to all. So you don't have to be special. You don't have to be unique. You don't have to be somebody who's um, uh, got a special in with God uh, or specially called to this faith. It is common to all believers or so the common salvation. He says, it was needful for me to write to you and exhort you or encourage you or stir you up or put you in remembrance that you should earnestly, sincerely fight or contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. So what he's saying here is that this this is a common salvation. This is available to everybody. But it can easily slip away from you. He's talking about earnestly contending for the original faith. He said the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And so he's talking in this epistle. It's all about people who are perverting the faith, pulling people away from it, giving them something else to think about, something else to consider. Amen. This is very common all the time uh, in in. In religious circles, but it's so common now. People have substitutes for everything that God has given us. We have a common 
salvation. It's, it's available to everybody who believes, who believes and confesses the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be saved and your salvation is the same brand and the same quality of everybody else who gets saved. It's what you make of it. It's what you, you determine between you and God, how you're going to walk with him. Are you going to obey him? Are you going to expect him to do what he says he's going to do in the word? And so here we have people that are coming in, perverting that, twisting it, drawing people off with crazy doctrine, excesses of doctrine, false doctrine, everything. You know, you can start out with something that's pure, the word of God, (coughs) and over a period of time, diminish it, add to it. And that's what he's talking about. He's talking about people who have started already to tear it down and to pervert it and all that kind of stuff. But this is the the faith that was delivered to the saints. Your faith and my faith came prepackaged, delivered, and we all get the same delivery box. We all get the same faith. We all get, and it came intact. Everything in it is is essential. Everything about it is the same. My faith is the same as, as Miss Donna's and, and, and Miss Pat's and, and Chanel's. Everybody's faith. We have a common faith. This it is, is it when, and it was delivered to you in a package called the Holy Spirit. And when he came in, he came in with everything that you need forever. Amen. He came with an assurance. He came with the word, he came in power, he came in demonstration. He came in in such a way that you became aware that you were changed. Everybody who gets saved has the same kind of common, like your delivery experience is pretty much the same. It has the same effect on everybody when you're saved. Uh, people say, well, I was saved, did I, but I didn't know it. No, you weren't. Huh? Hello? When you're saved, you know it. God makes you, what's the point of being saved if you, it's like, I was a millionaire, but I didn't know it. No, you weren't. Why talk like that? When something happens to you that's that important, salvation is life-changing. It's meant to be life-changing. So you know you are changed. Amen? Even if you're in a church that doesn't tell you much. God has a way of letting people know that they've been changed. Amen. You may not get much support in living the life that God wants you to live. Amen. But it happened anyway. It's a real thing. When you're saved, you know it. It's just like people say, well, I was spirit filled, but I didn't pray in tongues. No, you aren't. No, you aren't. I mean, why be something and not have everything? You know? I was married, but me and my husband never stayed. Well, you wasn't together. I mean, you weren't married. Not in the real sense. If you never stayed together, you're married anyway. It's just paper. Huh? To get him a green card or whatever you got. But but you know what I'm saying. We're talking about real stuff here. Amen? And so this is a common salvation. Everybody has the same potential. Your salvation package that was delivered to your heart and cause your spirit to be reborn is the same package everybody gets. 
So we have the same ability. We have the same potential in God. We may not have the same work to do. Or we may not have the same gifts and abilities and and all of that other stuff that makes us unique. But we have the same potential in our faith. Our faith can do the same thing that everybody else's does. And so that is why we share testimony to stir one another up that you can have this. You can do this. This is the, these are the steps that I went through that God put before me and I came out this way or I came out with this result. And we share those things because we have a common salvation and we have a common faith that has been delivered to all the saints. So the Apostle Paul had the same delivery that Peter had that you have and that I have. He just did something different with his. Why? Because he was mandated to do that. Whatever you're mandated to do, you have everything you need to do it. You have the equipment. All you got to do is learn God's word and start cooperating with that. Amen? As best you can. And so when we understand that that this is a salvation, and a faith package that has everything in it that we will ever need from God, then we can rest assured. That gives me great rest and great assurance that there's not something else out there that I don't have access to that's going to make the difference between whether or not I get this prayer answer. Or I don't have to go great lengths to get whatever it is God has for me. I can pray and ask him and he can cause it to draw near. Now I might have to, to go to somebody's meeting or, or connect with somebody, but pretty much God will point those things out to you that your common salvation now needs a boost that's gonna come this way or gonna come that way. You understand what I'm saying? Pretty much when you, when you're assigned to a local body, that's where God meets you to feed you and talk to you and help you. Answer your questions if you'll open yourself up to receive the answers and not keep shutting yourself down. And so this is a common salvation, a, a, a faith that was delivered. It's like when you get a, a package in the mail, you get a package that has your name on it. You open that and it has the same things in it. You know, it's like the, uh, um, uh, what's that show that they have? The, where they give all the chefs the same box of ingredients. Yeah, chopped. That, that show where you compete with the guy next to you. You see them open the box. They all got the same thing in the box. So this is your spiritual chopped. You got the same thing in your box that I got, but if you don't make what they like, you get chopped. Amen. If you make what they like, you go on. So, but God isn't like that. He makes sure that we understand how to use what it is that we have. Amen. How to really um, uh, uh, identify everything that he has prepared for us. Identify all of the promises that are in that box. Amen. You start pulling them out. and You start digging into it. It's called your Bible. And you get in that Bible and you start digging in there and you start finding out what it is that God has for you. And it is an inheritance. Which means that you don't have to twist God's arm and make him decide to do something for you. Amen. It's already laid up for you. He's waiting for you to say yes 
and amen and then walk by faith in obedience to him. See, that faith obedience is very important, folks. We think we can pray, walk away, go do what we want to do and come back and it'll be there. Well, it won't be there. I'm going to say it again. You don't walk away from God and start living like you want to live and expect riches to be laid up at your door. You have to walk hand in hand with God by faith. That's why people miss things and then go off mad at God because they never got it. They didn't walk with him. Walking with God's the most important part of it. I mean, it really is, folks. That's the most blessed part of it. You'll lose your footing if you go away and you just think about God when you, uh, the last prayer you prayed, you waiting on him to do something. And then when he does it, you go off and do what you want to do. Well, you didn't get saved for that. You got saved for fellowship. You need it more. God don't need us fellowshipping with him. We need him. You need him so you don't lose your mind from the things the devil lies and tells you about yourself. You need to constantly feed on God's word and feed and get nourishment from him so that you position. Your position is very important in your receiving. You have to keep yourself positioned in a place of receiving from God. Amen. And and because if you're not where you're supposed to be, where is he going to deliver this stuff to? That he's got laid up for you. Very important where you locate yourself. In the things of God. So we're to earnestly fight for and hold on to the faith. That was delivered to us by inheritance. Through the Holy Ghost. So he has everything. And he lives inside of you. When we received Christ. We received saving faith. And faith to inherit the promises. That God has laid up for us. So when you're saved, that means that you are whole in every area of your life. Amen. There's nothing missing. There's nothing absent. There's nothing broken. There's nothing out of sorts. There's nothing out of whack. You're complete. You're whole and you're entire. Amen. And you have to accept that number one, that there, or you'll continually be going around looking for something else. And it's already inside of you. But see, when you walk with God, you start to realize you're looking for something and God's bringing you right back to square one. You go out looking for it and he keeps centering you right back where you were. You keep going. It's like the boomerang effect. Why are you going out there? I'm right here. I'm all you need. I have all you need. You're going to learn how to talk to me so I can release it to you. Then that's where the challenge is, is in the relationship. See, many people backslide because they haven't cultivated a relationship with God. They're trying to get relationship with everybody else but him. Amen. You think if, if you do everything you think the pastor, it pleases the pastor, you'll get what you want from God. Well, it don't work like that. If you do everything your little friends that you hang around with, it don't work like that. Amen. If you do everything your family wants, it it don't work like that. You got, he said, whoever don't hate mother, father, sister, brother, everybody else for my sake, you got to divorce yourself from the dictates of man, the love of man. Amen. And learn how to tabernacle. 
Hey, I like that word. With God. Amen. Shack up with God. Go find yourself in his house all the time. In his face. Talking to him. Worshiping him. Having that internal dialogue. It makes all the difference in the world, folks. It seems simple. And it seems like that couldn't be it. But that was it for Abraham. That's how Abraham got everything that he got from God. Was that internal relationship. Tabernacling with God. Letting God's word minister to him. Going deeper than just quoting a few scriptures here and there. Know how it is when we haven't ministered the word to us. Or confessed the word for a while. Then we go back to firing it up real quick. Thinking that pleases God. Well that's not how it's done. See, it's not done by being bad and then accelerating what you think is good behavior so that God can bless you. He can see right through that. Amen. Amen. You know, my mother used to trying to get us to behave in, in things of, of that nature. When we come home, she said, you've been so and so and such and such. No, mama. And and then we think about it. She saw me out the window because she looked out the window all the time. Amen. She saw me out the window all the time. Amen. And so you get back and try to act like you've been good. Talking to all of us now. Amen. And you've been somewhere he didn't tell you to go. Amen. Trying to get trying to get his promise to come to pass for you like he's not able to do his own job. Amen. So we have to understand that he wants and needs or we want, we should want and we need fellowship with him on a continual basis. That's what keeps your faith strong. It's not looking up some scriptures and being able to speak a bunch of them and quote them, but opening up that package of the word because that word is a package in itself it contains all kinds of meaning it contains all kinds of benefits for us all kinds of opportunity for us amen if we'll take time to fellowship with that mentally and let god break it open for us that's what true meditation is you don't meditate in your own mind apart from god you tap into the mind of God, the mind of Christ. That's where your inheritance is. We're joint heirs with him. So he has to help us, and he's the author and finisher of our faith. He has to help us receive our inheritance. And it's received by making that word graft into you. That word has to be engrafted in you. So when you think by his stripes you were healed, if the question comes to you, why do I have symptoms? You gotta delve farther. You can't let that be the end of the conversation. You gotta go farther and you gotta think about, well, oh, Jesus, they beat you. Wow. Is that what I really deserve? Without you, I would be beaten up. Well, why am I getting beaten up by these symptoms then? Well, something's not right, Jesus. Help me to find out how to get that connection between what I deserve, what you did, and where I'm at now. Help me to come through that with what you have for me. That's meditation. 
See, meditation entails more than just keeping saying it over and over again, though that's better than not saying it. But it also includes the questioning in your mind, the the probe. And God's not, when you probe, you'll get something. You know, I remember God would test me on, on did I trust him to give me messages or not? Or was I just finding scriptures and finding my own stuff? Now, you can do it both ways. I mean, you know, but you want to please God. Huh? You know, I'm real thankful Pastor Shirley developed her own method of getting her messages from the Lord. And she would always tell me, she said, oh, he gave me my scriptures already. I just have to look them up and put it there. And she's always kept this pattern where she seeks God earnestly for what he wants her to say. She doesn't just come and put something together, you know, which you can do. You know, I mean, the word's good all the time. But isn't it wonderful to have something that's like, you know, where you sit sometimes and you think, I can't decide what I want for dinner. And then you come into a place where God has prepared for you what you need. And you say, boy, that word was good. You understand what I'm saying? And, and, and you know, you, you have to do that when you're when you're dealing with God's people and you're trying to get exactly what we need from the Lord. And, and so, so, but God wants us to know that, that that's part of the meditation process where somebody who their job is to hear from God to help you, not to take the place of God, to help you, to understand God. Amen. Better. It's not like you'll understand him, understand him better. Add something. It's to add to your experience with God. And it's God ordained that it worked this way. Amen. And so when, when that happens, then your meditation, when you go home, what, what the preacher gives you should be a meal partially digested by their gift. And you receive that. And then you go home and chew it up some more and it becomes food for you. Amen. I remember God used to show me the baby chicks with their mouths wide open. You know, I told you about the robins that squat on my property. They don't ask me if they can come. They just come. Amen. They got faith. You show up every year and know they ain't going to be kicked out. Amen. Amen. And so, so I would see, you know, I see Miss Robin and her little belly looking kind of fat. And I say, oh, she's going to put her little nest together. And she get up there and then pretty soon you start hearing some little noise. It wasn't much. But when she would return and come back, you see all these little mouths sticking wide open, you know, ready for their feed. That's what we should do when we come in the house of God. Open your heart to receive the word of God. So open your heart for whatever it is, God, I want whatever it is you have for me today. Because I know that word going to be good. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? It's good by the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so so when when God delivers faith to us, there's nothing missing, nothing broken. It's an intact package. You know, sometimes people say things, well, I pray for stuff, but every time I get it, it's, you don't look for the good in it. See, you ask in faith with a pure heart, then when it's delivered, you're probably out of sorts somewhere. See, if you receive it 
in faith. You see, and that's that's why it's important to walk with God and stay with him. You'll receive it the right way. You'll be able to know that that's for you and it is what you prayed for. And you'll start looking for blessings in it. You'll start looking at the good and not be so negative and critical about everything. Critical people have a hard time using their faith and a hard time receiving from God because they repel everything that comes to them from the spirit because they're looking at the natural so much. You know, they're carnal minded about stuff. You know, instead of looking, oh, okay, God, I did ask you for this, and it came from God. I receive it. I'm so happy, God, you thought about me. You went through all that trouble to get this for me. Do you understand what I'm saying? And and forget about what it appears to be on the surface. See, a lot of people can't live like that. They don't want the things that bless other people because they can't relate to how important that is. I'm not looking at what it looks like in the natural. I'm looking at who gave it to me. And this is an answer to prayer. He heard me. He honored it. He loves me. Look what he sent me. It's got his signature all over it. Amen. You know, a lot of times I go through this with God and I say, oh God, I guess if I told you to spend more money on it, it would it would look a little different. You know what I'm saying? That kind of stuff. Like I'm working with a dishwasher now that's been under repair for over six months. And I had told God I wanted a new dishwasher. And he said, you didn't pay enough for that one to make it last much longer. You understand what I'm saying? And like, hey, okay, well, okay. It ain't a kitchen maid. It's like a homemade. I don't even know what the brand is. The words are rubbed off on it and all that kind of stuff. But. You know what I'm saying? So we work it out. Okay. We work it out. So that means that I can up my faith. I'm not paying for anything. He's paying for all of it. Amen. I just still have that widow's fear a little bit, you know, but I'm working on it. Me and God, we're working on it. Amen. Amen. So, so anyway, when, when the, the faith that was delivered to us is the Abraham brand of faith. So when you turn over the, and look at the label, it should have his stamp on it, which means it can do everything Abraham did. So what does it do? That package of faith enables us to, number one, believe God's word or believe God. It enables us to follow God wherever he would lead us. And it also allows us to believe God for the impossible. The faith for the impossible is already on the inside of us. Amen. It's already on the inside of us. We have to process the word, uh, in order to, to get off of our earthly faith and get onto the invisible supernatural faith that God wants us to work in that realm all the time. But he will, like he did with Abraham, he will graduate us from the natural realm over into the supernatural realm. Amen. That when I say natural, I mean having the faith for your bills to be paid, for a decent house, for clothing, for food, shoes for the kids all the time, you know, because they wear out constantly. And, and all of those material things. And then God will kind of like slowly 
pull the support out from under you, the natural support, and put you totally over into the invisible realm, into the supernatural realm. That's where your faith uh, is is supposed to work the best anyway, without sight. Amen. So it's incumbent upon us to walk not by natural sight, but to walk by um for by strictly by the word of God and depending upon God's integrity as God that he's not lying to us, that he will give us exactly what is written. What's the word say? So you don't have to see anything to believe God's word. You just have to take him at his word. And that's the way our faith is designed to work. Abraham, it took him many years to get up to the point where he could believe God for the invisible or the impossible. That's where our faith begins. It begins where his ended. And so we have faith for the invisible impossible from, from uh, right off the bat. Like it's always blown my mind how much time people, some preachers think they have to spend on teaching people how to get their bills paid and how to have money. When God will give you that day one, if you pay attention, you know, we need to pay more attention to things. And is God blessing me in this area or no? Do I need to spend $200 to go to a, a meeting to tell me how to get rich or how to have money? Or can I just save my money and talk to God about it? Who is rich in all things? Amen. Or do I need to be spending my time with God on something else? <laughs> There's always something else out there that's going to be a little more challenging to attain. Always say, if you want money bad enough, you can go stick a gun up somebody's nose and you can get some money. You know, I mean, it's like it's everywhere and, and everywhere to be received. But you don't need 15 teaching tapes to tell you how to believe God for something you need all the time. God knows you need it all the time. So he's got a built-in system to let you know that that's taken care of. Amen. And, and, and then he wants, but, but then God, if I don't need to spend my time on, on natural things, ah, now we're tapping into the kingdom. Where he tells you, seek ye first the kingdom, the invisible realm, and this stuff is added to you. He doesn't tell you to spend all your time studying money and seeking things. Amen. You get the right people in your life. They can help you acquire money. You don't need to study nothing. You just need to study the word. And God, I need this. How do I get this? And before you know it, the answer showed up. Then you don't have to divert your attention from kingdom things. You really need to learn how to cultivate a spirit of peace. There's so many people jumping off bridges and ending it all and suiciding and taking drugs and because of, of lack of peace. They don't have assurance about certain things being readily available to you. Laid up as an inheritance for us. Prince Charles is not somewhere studying finance. 
unless he just is curious about it. It's a novelty to him. Why? They got what's, what's called the crown jewels and the estate, the monarchy. <laughs> you think he's going to be nervous about anything? Well, we have more than he does. I said, we have more than he does. We're heirs of the whole world. This is the last place God's stopping to drop off inheritance. You said, there's a whole book of promises here. You have whatever you want. You just believe it and you can have what you say. If you go around, just go around reminding yourself, God, I don't have to worry about money. I'm wealthy. You were poor so I could be rich. There's no limit to what I can have. So I don't want to have to think about that right now. I just want to focus on you and what you have me working on for you. What's kingdom today? What's kingdom up to today? And if you don't get involved in kingdom, you're going to be left scrounging for just material things. It's so common among God's people. Just barely understanding how to, well, if I do this and do that and do that and do that, just cry out to God. He's got it laid up. You know, God, send my, send my inheritance, send what I need today. Just do it a day at a time so you don't overwhelm yourself with concerns. He said the daily bread. Don't borrow worry off tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to have enough trouble. You're going to have a devil to fight tomorrow just like you got one to fight today. Amen. So that's going to have enough stuff of its own. Just begin to thank me for your daily bread and receive your daily bread. I'll give you abundance of daily bread when you think about it. It'll accumulate and add up. We're not on the manna system where it goes stale after one day. You keep expecting daily bread and pretty soon you don't have enough time. You're so busy with kingdom stuff, you don't have time to spend daily bread totally. It'll accumulate and add up. Okay, let me move on. Jesus preached faith for the impossible. He did everywhere he went and he demonstrated the impossible. Mark 10, 26. We can turn there. It says here in 24, his disciples were astonished at his words. Why? It blew their little heads open because it was kingdom stuff. Kingdom stuff always blows people's minds. Because most people think natural. Me and you included. Disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. They were astonished at that. They thought wealth meant kingdom is kingdom. Amen. (laughs) Jesus kept telling them, my kingdom is not of this world. He said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Why? Because rich people trust in their wealth. That's why they've been accumulating it for so long. And Peter began to say to him, oh, he says here, then, then he said, verse 26, they were astonished out of measure. I mean, it messed their heads up totally. Said among themselves, well, who can be saved? Because we want money too. 
That's why they were astonished. Out there. They said, oh, what? No money? <laughs> you know, you can't impress some people. Now, Jesus gave Peter two boatloads of fish, and he wasn't even expecting nothing. We toiled all night and didn't get nothing. In other words, Jesus, and, and this is going to be just like that. Let me show you. And Jesus showed him something. Huh? Jesus let him get all that wealth at one time, and he's still astonished that the kingdom is not about money. See, once God flows that into your life and blows your mind, that should settle any any disturbance you might have about whether God wants you to be rich or not, if that's important to you. Amen. That That's important. And if, if you want to be rich for God's reasons, hey, that's wonderful. Amen. He'll back you up. But he says, Jesus looking upon them said, with men it's impossible, but not with God. Oh, a rich man can get into the kingdom with God. You got to have God as your constant companion. In other words, you don't get here to raid the cookie jar and grab everything, munching as you go out and stuff with your pocket stuff full of cookies. You go with God. So God tempers your greed. He tempers your carnality. He tempers all of these things so that you walk in the spirit compatible with him so that you don't wander off with your riches and your wealth and get yourself into trouble. He wants you to stay with him. Amen. Because he sees the snares that are set for them. You know, uh, uh, I'm trying to think which epistle might have been James. And he says, don't desire to have material wealth. That's so clear in the Bible to me. But how many people we got telling you you're wrong if you don't? What's something wrong with you? Oh, you're just religious. Oh, yeah, they believe that way back that Christians weren't supposed to have it. Listen, baby, Christians been having money since Jesus came. They're Christians with money everywhere. Look at the Catholic Church. So it's not like it's impossible. It's a big challenge. It's a great thing. You understand what I'm saying? You can get it directly from God. I think sometimes if you quit listening to people so much and their steps and formulas, you'd be a lot better off. You probably have a lot more. But he says with men, it's impossible. In other words, it used to be easier for a rich man to enter the kingdom I mean, easier to go through an eye of a needle. But now it's not impossible. Because if God's involved in it, all things are possible with God. There was a rich young man that came to Jesus and he said, follow me. And and he said, one thing you got to do, though, detach yourself from money because money has a grip on you. And you're afraid of losing it to follow me. So let's get this out of the way from Jump Street. Go get rid of it. Sell it all and give it to the poor. And then follow me. And he refused. It it, Didn't it dawn on him that maybe God was the reason he was wealthy to begin with? And the same God that gave it to you to start with will give it back to you if you, you, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, you're the same person. But see, 
He was scared God was going to take it away and not give it back and not give him something better. I'll tell you any day of the week, the kingdom's better. Kingdom's much better. I remember when I first got saved, I'd had a nervous breakdown. I, I worked, I made good money, I had education, and then I got to the point none of it did anything for me. It couldn't get me well. If I didn't get, a, you know, ding dong, a bell goes off in your head. And you say, you know what, you've been pursuing the wrong thing. Hello? Oh, gee, what do I do? Seek ye first the kingdom and his. Ooh, I never heard of that before. That's something new. And see, it'll take you your lifetime pursuing it. It'll keep you busy for a lifetime. That pursuit will, will take your whole life. Just pursuing righteousness. Pursuing staying in right standing with God. Doing the right thing. Getting the right results. Lending your, yourself to the right attitude all the time. Prospering in the things of God. That's what that means. That's lifetime work. It's so lifetime work, many people quit the first year. Huh? They get frustrated and angry with themselves because they still sin. They still do this. They still do that. Quit. Give up. No, you keep, you stay in the race. You find those, those scriptures that say though a, a man fall, he's not utterly cast down. You won't stay down forever. Just don't let go of his hand. He will pick you up a hundred times, dust you off. That's how people keep going. We don't keep going because we do everything right. You keep going because you keep going. Amen. The only thing I'm not allowed to do is quit. I learned that, you know, real early in my Christian walk. So you keep going. Amen. And so that's that's a Christian lifestyle. We're going on to perfection in Christ. That should be your main focus. God, am I doing what you want me to do? Am I doing? Well, God, if if I'm going to do this, I need so and so and such and such. You find out he provides it. It's that simple. We complicate things. We really do. It ain't that hard. So Jesus preached this faith, faith for the impossible, everywhere he went. And when that word impossible and possible with God came out of his mouth, then bam, the Holy Spirit turned on the anointing and he began to do the impossible. When you start declaring that God is going to, in this place, in this time, do what's impossible with man. With God, all things are possible. Just ask him. Ask him to put a word in your mouth. Ask him to begin to minister to your heart how to open this up to you so that you can be the instrument that he does the impossible. Because God puts opportunity to minister the impossible to people every day that we, you walk by somebody every day that's, that's in a wheelchair, that's, that's stiff, that's sore, that's crippled, and we walk right past them because we're not schooled enough in God's desire to do the impossible and to use us to do it. We're getting there. We do a little bit here and a little bit there, but I think if we would walk more closely with God, See, you can't be be a servant of God and be concerned about this life. 
You got to get beyond what's down here. You can't fit your house in a hearse. They ain't going to transfer no money to your heavenly account because they don't have your PIN number. And you don't have it either. You better be about laying up treasures as you go along. Huh? So Jesus preached faith for the impossible everywhere he went. Underneath all of his words were, this is impossible for you. But it's being made available to you if you will just have faith. Well, Jesus, I got to have more faith than what I got because I'm just thinking about this and this is blowing my mind. Well, he says, go back and, and think about it. Meditate with me. Get to understand what it is that I can do. And don't let your carnal thoughts hinder your spiritual mind. You got to win that war. The Bible says that sin is in our members. The carnal mind wars against the spirit man. How do we win it? You got to cast those, those thoughts down. You can't take a thought and nurse it and keep it all day and think you're a carnal thought, a thought that you can't. And then think that you can. You're going to have to eliminate that from your mental conversation. Amen. And think, think what God wants you to think. You know, sometimes I'll, thoughts will come to me. I say, God, my goodness, where'd that thing come from? You know, the devil's just rapid fire when he sees you on the trail of something that God has for you. He's laid up for you. Man, he starts the bombardment. Over and over and over again. He'll come with something so just outlandish. And you say, did that really come to my head right now? I mean, God, I was having a good time ministering with you and, and thinking about what you think. And enjoying our time in the word. And then that pops up. And crashes the party. Amen. Unbelief. Doubt. They want to creep in. And, and talk us down from our high place. See, God's put you in an exalted place and heavenly uh, places seated with him. You're sitting down with him. No work to do. Just communing with him. Amen. Allowing his mind to be your mind. His thoughts to be your thoughts. Woo, they give me a chill. They're supposed to. Amen. They're supposed to be out of this world and wonderful and, and, and awesome. And then you probably get used to them after a while. You say, God, I'm kind of expecting that now. You just settle into, to that zone where you commune. That's where Adam lived in communion with God on a daily basis. That's where it's best for us to live. Jesus died to pay to get us back there again. To get us a first class seat with God in his thought life, in his plan, in his dominion, in everything that he has for us. He paid a bloody price for that. And in order not to offend them, we have to take him up on these things. Yeah, I think we do. You, you, you gotta say, God, I really appreciate what you did for me. And he says, well, let me show you what, what I can give you when you believe that. Let me show you what I have planned for your life. Let me show you the things that I want for you. Let me show you. 
See, when you express appreciation, that triggers a response from God. You don't just say, I bless you and I praise you and you walk off empty handed. He treasures you with something that opens up his treasure, his storehouse to you. When you worship him, the Bible says your seed will be mighty on the earth. Wealth and riches will be in your house. Every time you lift up holy hands, that, that thing's opened up to you. Amen. Just go in and, and start thanking him for that. Well, God, I see that. I, I see what you want me to have. I see what you've got laid up for me. Or if I don't see it, God, you said you laid up something for me. What is it? Amen. And God sticks his, his big fists out there and he said, pick one. And you go, that's mine, daddy. Open up. Let me see. Huh? His hand's bigger than the whole world. He got so much stuff in there. But he releases it to us by something called faith. Amen. And the faith isn't hard. It's not strange. It comes to us freely as we hear the word. So open your heart up to hear the word. It's, well, I listen to the tapes all the time. No, I'm talking about the word that's in your heart, in your mouth and in your heart. Woo-hoo. That can come out of your mouth. God, I thank you for for you laid up wealth and riches for me. God, I just want to know more about that. What's my portion for today? And see, that's not greedy. Because it's not coming where, oh, let me get this. I'm almost, I'm sewing. I'm, I'm sewing, sewing. You know, there's nothing wrong with sewing. Don't get me wrong. But through relationship, you got me? To me, it's just as crazy to, to look at if you're married and you look at loving your husband as sowing so you can reap, there's something a little perverted with y'all relationship. You know, I mean, it's, it, don't get me wrong. It can get better. I mean, if that's where it is, that's where it is. But slap yourself and learn. You know, I would no more want somebody to do things just to get and make it on a contract type basis. God wants us to do things because we love him with the love that he already put in our hearts. Amen. So we don't love God for things. We love him because he first loved us. God, you've given me this love for you. I want to express it. You've given me this for you. I want to express it. God, you've given me love for your people. You've given me compassion for the sick. I want to express it. See, that's the life he wants us to live. That's what he wants. That's that's how he expects us to live. Once we get the hang of that, then all things are possible. Not Nothing is impossible. All things are possible. So Jesus preached faith for the impossible all the time. Amen. He said, have faith in God. When he when he taught on Mount Carmel, the Beatitudes, what we call it, blessed are they who do this. It was impossible. You know, love your enemies, pray for them. Don't retaliate. Forgive your brother seven times seven, 70 times seven in one day. Impossible. So the kingdom is impossible for us to attain without the king, without relationship with the king, without that, that fellowship with God. That makes it easy. 
You know, sometimes you have to do things by faith. A lot of things we confess by faith. Like for instance, if, if you're really angry at somebody and you say, well, God, I'm, I'm forgiving them. I forgive them. You don't feel nothing. You don't really want to, but you know, you got to give him your confession to get the ball rolling. And that confession will stand for a season. And then little bit by little bit, if you pay attention, you'll notice your mind gets more pleasant toward them. You're not triggered to emotional upset when when their face runs through your mind. You, you understand what I'm saying? You mellow out. That means that God is is processing your confession that you forgive. It's up to him to complete the work of forgiveness. You can't make yourself feel good about somebody all of a sudden. But you shouldn't hold on to the negative feelings. When they come to you, say, God, I'm going to let this go. I have to let this go. If I let this go, I won't please you. If I don't let it go, I won't please you. That should be uppermost in your mind. Not, if I don't let it go, it's going to be bad for me. No, think about it. Are you feeling pretty good being mad at somebody that you've been mad at for a while? So don't lie to yourself on top of it. But if you don't please God, you're, you're, the door to the kingdom is closed to you. Amen? So you want to forgive to please him. Because he says do it. God, I don't feel like it. Just do it anyway. Confess it. And I'll take your confession and I'll work with it. He works with everything we confess. He's the high priest over our confession. Amen. And so if we profess to be Christians, we have to do what Christians are commanded to do. God tells us plainly, if you don't forgive people, I have forgiven you. Amen. Oh, he's a good shepherd, folks. Because he don't want no stragglers running around behind him. He don't want no angry people in his crowd, in his posse. He don't want no mean people up in there. He wants loving people around him. And he knows how to get you back into love mode. One day you'll sit up and you'll start thinking about some of the the good times you shared with people. As part of the forgiveness process, folks, you can't reconcile (laughs) unless, you know, now something happened to that bad experience. And it's something you couldn't do on your own. We we don't have the ability to process in a way that eliminates anger. It, it just, God's able to come in and through righteousness overshadow the negative. It may be there for in a simmering situation or in a, a, a low key situation. But eventually he gets us to the place where the bad memories somehow are disconnected from us emotionally. That's always the problem. There's an emotional response attached to a memory of an encounter that you've had with somebody. When you forgive, God takes your confession and he begins to process and begins to put the blood eraser to your soul. And the anointing comes in and breaks the yoke, abolishes 
annihilates the yoke that connects your emotion to that negative thought. Do you ever have thoughts about people and you just shrug your shoulders and you say, hmm, it's because he's disconnected the emotional, the negative emotion, the anger, the panic, the fear. He, The anointing does that. When you confess and you ask forgiveness and you forgive those people, God's blood is applied and the anointing, the anointing always follows the blood. Just from your confession. And you didn't feel like it. And you ain't one going to do it. And you I have to do it. Why am I always have to be the one? Because he told you to. You're supposed to always be the one to forgive. What's wrong with that? Do you understand what I'm saying? So this is your relationship. This is how you keep relationship with God. You don't hate anybody enough to cut yourself off from God's goodness. Huh? You don't. So when when he said, have faith in God, he meant have the kind of faith that Abraham had, which is able to do the impossible. Amen? He wants us to partake of that faith. Now, is there another faith? Well, sure, there's a faith in the natural. You can have faith in what you can do. What your ability, what you see, what you want in the natural, what you can touch. You can put your confidence in that. But if you put your confidence in God and, and, and seek the kingdom first and trust that the things will follow, that's a toughie. It is for many people and for all of us, I think. Just not do anything about something you want in the natural and believe it's going to come to you. That gets a little tough because your natural inclination is, well, I'll just go buy it. I'll just go or believe God for the money. Money's not your problem. Faith is because pretty soon if you have all the money you need, you're going to need your faith for something bigger than just a dress or a pair of shoes. But you're going to need your faith for the impossible because the impossible is all around us. See, there are things hidden behind the veil of the realm of the spirit that are impossible for us to get to, but they're laid up out there for us. And you're going to have to use your faith to get it. You just can't get enough money, get a big enough credit card limit, go out. You understand what I'm saying? Some things you cannot acquire without faith in God and trusting him to do the impossible. And so when Jesus would preach, he preached what was impossible with man all the time. That's why the Pharisees hated him so. Because they could pretty much, if they wanted to, duplicate a lot of the things that people needed. They could provide the people, the followers, with many of the things they needed just on what they had in the storehouse. But when it came to open blinded eyes, healing sick people, cleansing lepers, they couldn't do that. So you had to go into the kingdom of heaven to get that kind of power and to get that. That's why they hate. That's why they put him to death. They were jealous that he could do what they could not do. And he made it available to all the people. So their hold on the people was loosening every time he opened his mouth. Amen. And so when when we understand that we have this faith, 
that was delivered to us in a package, intact, nothing missing from it. There's no flaw in it. There's nothing wrong with your faith. You just have to make sure you're in it all the time. That you're believing all the time. That you're standing in it all the time. Even if you have to just stand and meditate, I have faith in God. God is my source and my provider. You're keeping yourself in the faith. You're not divorcing yourself from it. And so walking with God, walking in the spirit, meditating with him is essential to keep us in the faith. You don't just listen when you're in church and then just go start living natural when you get home. You take this with you. You're supposed to act it out, demonstrate it. God, what do I do? You know, the, the woman with the issue of blood, you know, take her for an example. It said that she had been around the doctors for years. They couldn't do anything else for her. She couldn't go back again because she's out of money. Then she opened her ears to hear something different. See, once you've spent most of your life trying to get well, that idea doesn't leave you very quickly. So she had faith in what she knew about, but that ran out. And it said, and when she heard of Jesus, she said within herself, now it doesn't say the first time she heard of him, she said this and it happened right away. It said, she, when she heard, what did she hear? He was anointed. He prayed for people. She was a daughter of Abraham, apparently. So she was in covenant with God. But she resorted to going to doctors. Why? Because they didn't help her at the temple, no doubt. They were taking money for everything, too. She can't pay them and the doctors, too. Hello? So... She heard about him. And I believe she heard about him and she heard about him and she heard about him. And she heard about him and she heard some more. She inclined her ear unto his sayings. Amen. Now some people get it first time, but I wouldn't bank on it. If it takes hearing it over and over and over again, then that's what you do. You hear it until it manifests on you. And she kept hearing it and she kept Hatching a plan. You know, okay. Now see, he's touching people. Well, I can't do that. Hmm? When the first time you decide you need something impossible from God, your mind is so full of unbelief and contradictory things and all that, you're going to fight. You're going to have to contend for the faith, folk. You have to put up a fight for it. It come into her head. She said, no, he's laying hell. That lets me out. Now, you don't know if that might have happened. You don't know how long she'd been listening and hearing about Jesus. He had a three-year ministry. So it's possible she labored under the physicians and hearing about him for three years and always saying he wouldn't help be able to help me. And then the worst-case scenario came into her life. She ran out of money. Now she had to listen more intently. See, when God's your last resort, you need to rejoice. 
because that's forcing you to listen more intently to what he's been telling you all along about his word. Hmm. See, she's like, well, okay. Suppose he could do it another way. <laughs> See, that's the, that's what you get from inclining your ear and meditating. See, if your meditation does not open up another door of possibility, then you keep meditating until it opens because it's there. There's always another door of possibility for you get the answer that you need from God. But when the first that when that thought first comes to you, oh, he's yeah, y'all, they told me about Jesus healing people, but I can't get that because I can't go out. Do I look like I'm supposed to be around people? I'm bleeding and I'm unclean. So I can't go up to a holy man. Huh? But that thought wouldn't leave her alone. You ever been like that? You want to quit on something and God keeps bugging you about it? You said you wanted this. You said you wanted it. 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 You said. Huh? So you have to open your heart back up to it. Huh? What are you hiding from? Why are you resisting God telling you it's yours anyhow? Why are you resisting it? No reason. Just in a habit. You know why you want, you're resisting it? You want it to be easy. And you making it harder by resisting. She probably thought to herself, you know, if I had let this sink in the first time they told me about him. But sometimes that process is necessary to eliminate other doors that you might think are open to you. No, you got to go in the straight gate. You got to go up the front. You got to go knock on another door and expect God to be on the other side and open up his good treasure to you. Huh? You got to do that. So instead of her casting the thought of getting healed out, she cast out the thought of being of it of it not working for her. So you got to flip the script. Instead of saying that's too hard, I can't do that. God won't do that for me. God God would have to do so and so and such and such for me to get what I need. The impossible. Well, that's his calling card. That's his first name. Impossible God. God of the impossible. God that's there when when it's impossible with man, it's possible with me because I'm God of the impossible. So when you ring my number, you get answers to impossible situations. And she thought to herself, she said, well, now, wait a minute. Let me think about this. They are touching him. He's touching them. But there's something that's got to be happening in the touch. Something we don't think about. In in carnality, a touch means nothing to most of us unless we want it to. You know, we you, you process a touch any way you want to. You supposed to be touching me. You say, he touched me. Right. So cut it out, okay? You know what I'm talking about. She had to figure out what was in that touch. 
See, that requires meditating, not taking no for an answer, going through that little crack of revelation you just got and expecting more to be there. It may be a little nugget, but you might be able to eat off of that. You might be able to feast off that little nugget if you go grab it and hold on to it. Well, God, this is as far as I got today. Tomorrow you got we got to come back together and you tell me more about what's in that touch. And she saw that it wasn't him doing anything. It was something about the touch. You don't get that from somebody else's revelation. You don't get that. You hear that and let it go right in one ear and out the other if you don't determine to find out the answer for yourself. So faith has the 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 aspect of inquiry to it. It makes you, it forces you to want to understand and all by getting get understanding. How do you get it? You're finding that out. You got to keep probing. You got to be like Bartimaeus. Amen. You got to cry the louder. For every every no that you get, you got to make the next knock knock on the door louder than it was the last time. You got to do a loud knock. And you can get what you need from God. But you got to keep at it. The widow that went to the unjust judge, what did she do? He said, I don't have to give her anything. I don't care nothing about this woman. I don't love her. I don't want to do nothing for her. But she's wearing me out by her what? Persistent knocking. See, persistence does not take, it takes no prisoners. It won't take no for an answer. It doesn't want to compromise. It just persists. God, I'm still believing you for and I'm not going to go away empty-handed. How do I get it? What do we do? How do what's my part in it? Tell me what I want what you need me to do. And he may tell you do nothing, just keep communing with me about it. Keep getting your faith stronger about it. Keep getting it to where you can taste it, touch it, sense it, you know it's coming. You can see it in the garage. Keep at it and you'll get it. You got nothing else to do. That job you got, you can do it blindfolded. In fact, you probably are most of the time. That ain't no challenge for you. Huh? Everything else you do, you know, the changing diapers, you can do them blindfolded. Baby about changing his own diaper. Now he's big enough. Amen? So all that you involved in, you think it takes so much time, is nothing for you. Amen? Spend some time with me. It'll be worth your while. I'm telling you, the key to the impossible lies in how you commune with God. Not how often you do everything or how many repetitions you do. This is not carnal work. It's spiritual work. And God will open through meditation his good treasure to you, his good storehouse. Amen? All right, why don't we stop? Father, thank you for your word and for understanding. And thank you, Lord, for giving us the tools that we need. Father, we must take time with you to meditate on the things that you have laid up for us. Because it's up to us to receive by our faith. 
And we thank you that we're dealing in the right brand of faith. There's nothing wrong with our faith, Lord. There's no, there's no such thing as too much, too little. This is the faith that was delivered to the saints. It's an inheritance from our father Abraham. And with this faith, we can do everything Abraham did and more because we're starting where he left off. So we thank you for that, Father. In the name of Jesus, let's do our declaration. I don't have Rona and she don't have me. I can't get Rona and she can't get me ever. No matter what strain of Rona comes at us, she can't get us. From Alpha to Beta to Omega, whatever they conjure up, won't get me because I'm covered in the blood. And it is so decreed. Amen, amen, and amen. It's so decreed. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Praise God. Praise God.